0: The House of God and see all your faces this morning, and so we want to consider the Word of God and it's a well, I guess we can't avoid the the circumstances of which in which we live at the minute, and so it has kind of prompted me uh, uh, as I was before the Lord to address it. In terms of the world in which we're in, but not of, and so um, and in consideration of how we as Christians um, uh, ought to conduct ourselves, because there's one thing that's spreading faster than the coronavirus. You know what it is, huh? Fear. (laughs) Fear. That's what I was looking for. Fear. I mean, fear, a spirit of fear. And so we would be foolish to sit here this morning and not consider what's going on around us and then take that and filter it through the Bible. And uh, because we have to have a scriptural and a spiritual response to what's going on around us. Can you say amen? And so it's in light of that that I want to proceed to uh, address a number of things from the Word of God. But let me first preface this by saying um, I understand that there are practical issues at hand. Okay, So I'm not wanting to belittle, undermine or understate some of the practical aspects that are associated with this. And so, you know, the washing of hands and... um, we all need toilet paper, and all of those things that are associated with um, the the, the uh, various forms of conduct that are just helpful, that are beneficial, because we are dealing with a germ and, and so forth. So there are certain things that we uh, need to take into consideration. So let me not un- uh, let me first just acknowledge the practical side of these things, um, and not to understate them, because. Uh, Things that I'm going to say, you could twist uh, and take out of context if you would would want to. But in saying that, we must be prayerful as well as practical. We are prayerful and ultimately we are peaceful. Amen? In the Lord. And so it's in light of that that I want to consider the Word of God. And you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Uh, We'll go from there in a moment. But fear is a serious issue of the hour in which we live. A spirit of fear, I would say, has, has come upon our world, and I don't just mean in relation to the coronavirus either. I mean, I, uh, I was having a discussion with Jim sometime um, a month or so ago, because remember uh, at the turn of, the, uh, of, of the, this year, the climate change was after the bushfires and, and climate change has gripped uh, and a, a spirit of fear has, has, uh, is coming upon this generation and, uh, and I remember sitting down and watching um, uh, the ABC and the Q&A and, and people are real they are serious this is not fake you know they're not trying to sensationalize it people are actually fearful in terms of climate change. And so, you know, women, they, they're not going to have babies because they don't want to bring them into the world because fear is gripping the hearts of people. And I saw that, not just... And obviously the media, they are, you know, especially the ABC, they are feeding this to, uh, to an nth degree and, uh, and promoting it as such. But uh, I looked at it and it just it was just so obvious and it was so sad at the same time to observe these things. And so uh, this is not just something that I've just reacted to in relation to the coronavirus. This is something that's been going on now uh, uh, for some months, uh, years in the making, but uh, in relation to climate change, in relation to the world in which we live. And, you know, uh, yesterday's paper said, is this the end of the world as we know it? Well, the end of the world is coming. And so (laughs) let's let's keep a, a perspective on all of this. But, um, uh, because when we look at the Word of God, if there's uh, anything to be fearful of, there's, uh, there's quite a few things for the world to be fearful of. But not for the child of God. Not for the Christian. And so it is important that we keep it in perspective and uh, we, uh, we, we have a, a biblical con- uh, understanding of it because, see, in, in all honesty, what is the opposite of faith? Fear. 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 I mean, I know, it's un- you know we talk about unbelief and, 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 you know, obviously associated together, but fear, because faith is trust. Trust is coming to a place of rest and peace. And trusting God it's something that's outside of our control. But fear is something that can grip the hearts of uh, individuals uh, to the degree that it undermines faith. And so we, are, we as Christians, we are those that live by faith. The Bible tells us that fear is, uh, is something that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so when we talk about fear in the child of God, these are, uh, uh, this is an oxymoron, really, because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. When Fear involves torment. And so he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so this is the principle of God's word. And so, uh, because when we have fear, we have torment, and at the root of that is an unbelief that is not trusting God. And so, again, we want to touch upon these things. And so, because when we look at the world, this is what you expect, Okay. When we look at the fear that, and the panic that is, is gripping the hearts of men, it doesn't surprise us because they have not faith in God. They do not understand this book and what's ahead and what's coming and, and, and all that it, it consists of. And so it's, it's not like we're here to criticise them. It's natural for them. But it's not to be natural for the child of God. To, the natural response to, for us is to be something uh, different and that's what we want to consider uh, is the Christian response in the Word of God. Who remembers, I mean my lifetime anyway, who remembers um, the Y2K? <laughs> okay, all right. You know, I remember, in those days I remember that Christians were, you know, Y2K was the year 2000 was coming and all the computers, everything was going to shut down and the world was just going to go into a state of chaos and anarchy. And so, I mean, and this was being promoted by Christians and and Christians were stockpiling food and they're ready and, you know, they're waiting for that clock to turn over and the world's going to end. And you know what? It just went on the next day. (laughs) But I remember the fear that began to get a hold of people's hearts. And I remember having to deal with it and process it myself as a a younger Christian. And I remember coming to a point in myself where I said, no what, I'm not going to be dictated to and I'm not going to be motivated by fear. God is going to look after me. Now, this is what I came, this is, and again, what I say relates to me doesn't mean it's exactly the same for you. I'm sharing with you what I went through. And I came to a point. (coughs) <coughs> where I said, you know what, I refuse to be motivated by fear. I'm not going to let that dictate the steps that I should take. And so, you know what, I'm just going to go with this. I'm rejecting all of that. And, and so it was, uh, thank God, because the year 2000 came and it clicked over and nothing happened. Nothing but yet, if you had seen the circumstances prior, and for those that can remember, and I'm sure there's other events beyond my years, um, but I, I, I distinctly remember that myself. Now, we're talking about the need for faith. Because, the, because true Christian faith causes a, a heart to become confident in God. It causes us to it causes the, the Christian to uh, or the mind especially to become restful because we can become anxious in our thoughts and so um, uh, and so it brings us about a calmness and a peace inside the believer and this is very important because again as I said to you before in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 it says God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and And a sound mind. When I say sound mind, that word in the Greek refers to self discipline, that we have the ability to control our thoughts, that we're not going to let the spirit of fear uh, uh, torment us to the degree that our mind becomes so unsettled and restful and anxious and fearful and people panic. This is not how it is, it's not how it should be. And so we want to see this in the scripture. And we want to hear what the Word of God has to say and what the Word of God teaches us because the reality is this, church, faith. Listen carefully. Faith is a stabilizing factor for the Christian in a time of confusion, fear, and panic. And so it's the need of the hour. It's faith. So let's read our text. And I want to make sense of some of the things that we'll consider. I'm going to jump a little bit, but we'll start in Luke 21, verse 7. Bible says, So they asked him, that is Jesus, his disciples asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there uh, be when these things are about to take place? They've just asked him a question in relation to the temple that will be destroyed. But they've asked him two questions. They said, Teacher, what, uh, uh, teacher but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And in verse 8, and he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now if you can, let's go down to verse 25. This is laying a foundation here. Now this is relating to the coming of the Son of Man and Jesus' return. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations. Notice that, distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads for your, or because your redemption draws near. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning, God, that your word would be illuminated, Lord, in our hearts. And in the hour in which we live, Lord, let us, God, have a sure foundation that uh, concerns your uh, faithfulness, your trustworthiness, Lord. And let us, God, be established in the faith. Let us be strengthened in our faith this morning, Lord. Help us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now I've deliberately chosen this portion of text and obviously it's dealing with the issues of end times and we're not going to go in that direction but I've chosen this portion of text because it does lay down various principles for us that are relatable now and uh, that which is to come. And so as we look at the, what's going on we can understand and see, filter these things and see them through the lens of scripture. <coughs> and so we have here Jesus is speaking to his disciples and, uh, uh, and, and um, uh, really what he's addressing captures the spirit of the age in which we live. And also Jesus is talking about th- certain events that will take place in the earth and also he's addressing his coming, his second coming and his return later on as we considered from verse 25. And so there's various prophetic aspects that are associated with this. But the principles still apply to us now. And uh, we find that as we look at verse uh, uh, 7 and onwards, because Jesus is talking about things that will continue to take place, but the end is not yet. And so we know that these things will escalate as well uh, and so forth, but, and we're seeing that in the world around us. But nevertheless, note what Jesus is saying and what he's talking about so we can have a biblical perspective to the, the, the question that the disciples asked him in verse 7 when they spoke about what signs will the, uh, there be and when these things are about to take place. So he's talking about the ultimate destruction here of Jerusalem and the, 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 and, sorry, the temple, I should say, specifically and so, and, he's, and obviously, he goes to talk about his own second coming and his own return. But um, uh, we're talking about turbulent times that Jesus is referring to. And so, you get the sense as you read these scriptures that there are many things that are to take place within the world in which we live. But the one overarching theme that you get from Jesus is don't be afraid, don't be terrified. Don't be fearful, and uh, yet he speaks the opposite, though, for the world. And so there is a contrast, and that contrast is uh, something that is constant and must be identified and observed, and it must be experienced by the Christian. So look at verse 9, when he, uh, he says, But when you hear of wars and commotions, now these things are coming, is his point. But what's his advice? What's his instruction here? He says, don't be terrified. And we can look at the history of the world and we can see wars and commotions and and we can see the uh, human suffering that has has, has resulted from this. uh, And uh, yet it's easy to be terrified at these things. But yet Jesus is telling the disciples and by extension to his people, he's saying to us, don't be terrified. For these things must come to pass first. They're part of the process, so to speak. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places. We see that now and we see it increasing, which is exactly as to its ultimate fulfillment. And he says, and he says in verse 11, and famine and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights, fearful sights. We haven't even got to that part yet. I mean, we're talking about pestilences here. And when we, we're talking now about it, in the reality of the coronavirus and other things that have come throughout history in which man has, uh, has suffered as a result of sin. When sin entered the world, we have this issue of sin, suffering and sickness. And we see these things playing themselves out. But Jesus' word is, don't be terrified, because there's going to be famines, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be uh, pestilences that will come. But he's saying to his people, do not be afraid. He says there's even going to be fearful sights and great signs from the heaven." And so you get a picture here. Jesus is painting a picture that it's such that the world will be in fear and that is uh, that's the picture that we that we're getting as uh, as Christ is uh, is speaking <coughs> but there's another thing too and i didn't read it but if you if we if you were to look at verse 12 onwards jesus is speaking about other aspects that will the uh, the child of god will suffer and its persecution i mean um, uh, again We can see throughout the course of the church and its history, and even today in the world in which we live, people who decide to follow Jesus, to stand and serve the Lord, there is people that are suffering for the name of Christ. They are being persecuted. And so, again, these people are confronting fear all the time in ways that we here in Australia, we've got a good. We're worried about where our next roll of toilet paper is coming from. And so you can see the perspective here that uh, we, we need to have. And so Jesus is talking about persecution and, uh, and the various things that will, will happen to them. But he says in verse 18, he says, But not a hair of your head will be lost. Not a hair of your head will be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. And so he's reassuring them again that in light of whatever it is that happens, whatever it is that they may suffer, whatever it is that they may need to endure, don't be afraid. That's the word from, from the mouth of Jesus. But in contrast to the world, let's continue and jump down to verse 25. Now, this is, again, building on Israel and the world at the time of the coming of our Lord. But again, it deals with the principle of it as we see it playing out now. And he says that there will be signs in verse 25, signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Distress of nations with perplexity, confusion, not knowing what's going on. The sea and the waves roaring. Now look at verse twenty-six, because here it is men's heart failing them. Men's heart's failing them from fear. Fear. Fear is going to be the very thing that's going to cripple the, the the world in which we live in. Men's hearts failing them from fear. And we see that today. We see the panic. We see uh, all that's going on. And again, I'm, I'm not against practical steps, okay? And sometimes it's not what we do. It's why we do what we do. Did you get that? Because that's important. It might be a practical step to take because it's practical and it's wise. But if it's, if it's generated and governed by fear and fear is at the root of it, then we've got to deal with that because that's not from God. And that's not wise. For the world, yes, men's hearts will fail them from fear, but not for the child of God, not for the Christian. And so Jesus says in verse 26: men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And so you talk, you mean we're talking about a time that hasn't even come yet. We're talking about a, a dimension of fear that we still haven't observed. That is to come upon the Earth. And so when we, talk, when we look at these things, we see snapshots, we see a taste of, it, uh, of what is to come. But you see, let it not characterize the children of God this morning. It ought not to be so, Church. <coughs> see, the point that I'm making is that men is a, uh, fear is a part of the world that has forsaken and rejected God. That's to be expected. That fear is based upon a faithless world in which we live. They, don't have, they reject God. They don't trust God. They don't look to God. They reject him completely. They, their fear is that you know, if we upset Mother Nature, Mother Nature is going to get angry. That's what's happening. We're dabbling into all these, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, in, whether it's Aboriginal or whether it's all these um, uh, ancient uh, religious idolatrous practices of the world in which Mother Nature... Oh, well, if we, if, we keep, if we keep digging up the fossil fuels, Mother Nature's going to get angry. Got, Mother Nature's not going to get angry because of that. Fear God, my friends. Flee from the wrath to come. If there's something to fear, read this book. Because that's the perspective that we need to have and that's the perspective that we are to preach. And so uh, we have fear in the world in which we live. It's growing, it's escalating. But you see, this applies to the world, not the church, and not the child of God. See, the scripture clearly tells us that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And that is the manner in which we live. From day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, we are walking by faith, we are living by faith. And so we are to display a sense of of confidence or a a courage in the midst of the world in which we live in. Because, you see, the world gets overcome by depression. The world gets overcome by fear. The world gets overcome by discouragement. But for the Christian, amen, whose faith is, is established and set on Christ, we are confident. And more than we are confident, we have courage. And you know what courage is? Courage defined is not, is not the uh, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the overcoming of it, meaning that we are all faced with the same issues. We are all confronted with the spirit of this age. We're all confronted with a spirit of fear, so to speak. But we all have to process it. We all have to come to a place where we we reason these things through and we must do that practically and prayerfully and we must find peace in God. And this is important. And so the Christian ought not to become discouraged because discouragement is a sign of unbelief. To be discouraged is to lack courage. And to lack courage is to have a lack of faith in the midst of the circumstances and not trust God. And then fear comes and it prevails and penetrates. And we find many instances of, of that in the Word of God, don't we? You find it in the Old Testament where kings we're, were going to battle and rather than trust God, they tried to manipulate their circumstances, you know, give a bit of gold over this Person, this king here, and we'll have peace. And they try to manipulate all the circumstances to accommodate themselves when God says, Listen, just trust me, I'll take care of it all. And so, fear is, uh, was, was the determining factor. That's why King Saul did what he did Oh, I'm just going to keep the, the best of the sheep so I can sacrifice them to God. No, you're not. You were fearful of the circumstances so you took control and uh, you disobeyed the word of the Lord and that's what fear causes us to do is disobey God and we see this in the scriptures so how we are to have courage not be discouraged and we are to have an overcoming life as, as, as required and expected by our Lord that's why you know No one likes war, but if we were to hear of the reality of war, we would be confronted with the terror, the fear. We're not saying, oh, no, it doesn't touch me. No, we have to deal with it. But you see, we're not governed by it, whether it's war and commotions, whether it's famine, pestilence, whether it's uh, earthquakes and so forth. We have our faith in Christ Jesus That's why Jesus said in verse 19 of Luke 21, he says, By your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, meaning that we must endure hardship. That we must persevere to the end. And so, by your patience, possess your souls. And so, it's when we become impatient; it's when we become uh, we want to take control. It's when fear moves us to act in a way that we conduct ourselves in, a, in that is not of faith. Am I making sense this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. It's quiet. And so, faith conquers fear. Faith is that which overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is our victory that overcomes fear. Faith. Faith. And that's, the, that's our worldview. That's what we consider. That's how we look at things. That's why Paul the Apostle would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You say, but what if I die, Pastor? Lucky you. You see, we can get our perspective wrong. To die is gain. If the Lord wills it, let it be so. And if he doesn't, because it's appointed for a person to die once. So, now again, there's perspective on this. But I'm saying to you, we have to see through the eyes of the scripture. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so... Jesus would tell us again in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. Peace, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him, on God. The moment we take our eyes off the Lord and look at the, uh, and look at the waves that are, uh, um, uh, that are beating and the storm that's blowing, what happened to Peter He began to sing, didn't he? And says, well why? He says, and Jesus says, why didn't you doubt? So here's Peter is walking on water. But then he looked at the waves and he looked at the wind, that it was boisterous, and he began to sing and said, Lord, save me. And God did. And God does. But you can see the truths that are uh, at work here. We're dealing with faith. And this is important. Our faith is not blind. They say, oh, you Christians have just got blind faith. No, we don't have blind faith. We have faith in God. My faith sees. My faith's not blind. My faith sees God. My faith sees his word. My faith looks onto the scriptures and his promises and says, yes, yes, Lord, and meditates upon them and prays upon them and trusts God. And that gives us confidence. It gives us courage. Whereas the world, well, their men's hearts are failing them from fear. They have a spirit of fear, but we don't. We have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Self- again, back to self-discipline, we're controlled. God loves us, church. We're his children. And if God is for us, who can be against us? These are not just little clichés in the word of God, But the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's in the context of suffering. Read it. It's not in this this context of triumph and and nothing ever happens to us and we don't experience anything. It's, It's exactly the opposite. And so it's the issue of perfect love that casts out fear because fear involves torment. And that's why we find so many times in the Bible, we find God speaking at himself in the Old Testament. We find in the New Testament, Jesus himself as well speaking. And we find it says, fear not. Do not fear. How many times do you read these things in the word of God, these exhortations? to reassure us over and over again because God understands. He knows what we're confronted with. He knows we're flesh and he knows the, the reality. I'm not trying to understate these things and say, oh, well, if you're battling fear, something's wrong with you. No, that's normal. But what is not normal is, if, for the Christian is to embrace that fear because you must overcome, you must deal with it and you must come to a place of faith and rest and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ because that's what God says. Not because of what I say. God says, fear not. God says, do not fear. And as you read the scriptures, you find these things over and over and over. And God seeks to reassure us over and over and over. So let's consider a couple of these things. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. (coughs) Let's just see it in the word of God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Do not, theref- uh, do not fear, therefore. You have more value than many sparrows. I mean, listen to the words of Jesus here. He's saying to you and I that, that uh, don't, don't fear them that can kill the body. Don't fear a a, a virus that can kill the body. Don't fear uh, climate change. Don't fear all of these things that could could possibly, maybe even, kill the body. He says, don't fear those things. But fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And then he goes on to talk about a sparrow and how none of them fall to the ground outside of the will of God. You see, when it's God's time's up, it's up, amen? Our faith is in his hands. Our time is in his hands. And no one's going to die unless the Lord wills it, amen? And that applies to the sparrow. (laughs) And so if God cares for the sparrow that today is and tomorrow isn't, how much more you and I? That's what Jesus is saying. And so does it bring a different perspective to us this morning? How are we viewing? How are we conducting ourselves? How are we seeing these things? I mean, let's go a little bit further. I mean, obviously Jesus is telling us how valuable we are here. But also I want you to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Because this is Jesus addressing the churches. And here in chapter 2, he's addressing the church of Smyrna. And it's really interesting what's happening here. And again, this doesn't fit into the modern church uh, prosperity, health and wealth gospel that we see in the Western world. But I tell you, it fits in the word of God. Now look, Jesus is addressing the church in Smyrna who's bound in poverty, who's suffering persecution. And this is what he says to them. Look at verse 10. Do not fear, he's telling the church, do not fear any of those things which are you are about to suffer. <laughs> he doesn't say not that you're not, to, not about to suffer. He says the things that you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. Thank you, Jesus. What a word of encouragement. And I will give you the crown of life. Think about that. Just ponder that for a moment. Jesus is looking at his people and he sees their suffering. He sees what they're about to have to endure because, of the, because they are bearing the name of Christ. And he says to them, don't fear. I mean, are you crazy? They have every reason to fear. And yet Jesus is telling them not to fear. And see, remember, it's, the issue of not fearing is not the absence of circumstances. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the overcoming of it. And that's what exactly how faith works. Faith is, is, is our confidence in God. And so here you have it. He's saying the devil's going to throw some of you into prison, and you're going to suffer for my name's sake. But that's okay, because if you in be faithful unto death, and you have you'll have you'll receive the crown of life, the blessing of God. And so you see, church, what I'm saying is is that. It doesn't matter what it is that's going on in the world around us, whether it's persecution, whether it's earthquakes, famine, I don't, whatever the circumstances that God would put us in, that God would allow us to endure, however our faith will be tested, and it will. Let it be so, but let it be to the glory of God, amen, that I will, uh, I will possess your souls by your, pa- by your patience, possess your souls. Be faithful, Unto the Lord, trust him, and whatever the case may be, so let it be. Can I tell you a story? And as far as I understand it, it's true. And, uh, and I want to share it just because it illustrates something. And I believe that uh, uh, God uh, could and would possibly do such a thing as well. But there's a, there's a story that regards a, uh, one that was known as a healing evangelist, John G. Lake. And during the time of the bubonic plague. And people were dying Rapidly. People getting uh, catching it, and, and you know Christians were fearful, and John G. Lake was a healing evangelist, and, and he went into, and he just went head on into it. And he said, "You know what? I'm not going to be dictated to by this. I'm going to trust God." And you he, he hear his testimony and some of the things and why he did what he did. But it got to the point where he even said uh, that he was going to put the, 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 the germ, the bacteria, the, the infection on his hand under a microscope so that they could observe it and they could look at it. And he said, because I have in me, he was talking about the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and a number of things. But the point being is is that as they, uh, as they put this uh, germ virus on he, in his hands and, and put it under a microscope, they, they watched and observed the, the germ die right there in his hand. Now, you say, oh, well, you know, you can question that, whatever. But whether it's true or not, that's what's being testified. And I have no questions whether God, because God would do something like that. Why? Because he would confront the spirit of the age. He would confront the spirit of fear that is there. And he would demonstrate his power and his grace and his ability in the same way Jesus did in his circumstances. And so, uh, because at the end of the day, amen, we trust God. Now, I'm not saying go out and do that. Each one's got to act according to their own faith and according to whatever the Lord is prompting you to do. But what I'm saying is, church, is that we must have a place of confidence and rest and peace in God in the way in which we live and conduct ourselves as Christians because it's part of our testimony to the world as well. And so here's Jesus telling them in Revelation that they're going to you know, suffer unto death. And Jesus says, don't fear. And, you know, I think of the heroes of faith when you read Hebrews chapter 11 and you you read about the momentous uh, sufferings that they endured as a result of their faith in in the promises of God. And again, uh, the Bible tells us, um, don't despise the chastening of the Lord as whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And, and when you look at uh, Hebrews 12, it says that uh, we are to consider those that have gone before us, but we are to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So if he endured the cross, then whatever the cross may be that I may have to bear, so let it be, Lord. And more than that, uh, he says, you haven't yet resisted to bloodshed, then consider him, meaning consider Jesus, because he's the one, uh, he's the captain of our salvation. He's the one, amen, that demonstrates to us how the Christian life is, and anything that we may have to endure or persevere or, or go through is nothing compared to, what Jesus has suffered and what brethren before us have suffered and so I'm just trying to give a bit of perspective this morning as we consider these things let's go for one last uh, uh, or two last scriptures actually but let's go to Isaiah chapter 43 this is a familiar portion of text no doubt and we sang it today there is a redeemer Isaiah chapter 43 And we are the redeemed of the Lord in Christ Jesus. And God's word to Israel is God's word to you and I as his church. Look at verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel. And this relates to, to you and I. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be there. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. See, think about that. Jesus doesn't say fear not because you don't have to go through the waters. You don't have to go through the flame. Is that what he says? No, he says, when you go through, he says you won't be overflowed. You won't be burned. Trust me. I am your redeemer. You are mine. And this is the source of our strength. This is where we draw our faith. And that, that, uh, knowing that he is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what he says. And he is Jehovah Shammah. Amen. He's always there. He's there. And we have the promises of God in relation to this. And so it doesn't matter what the Lord would allow us to have to face, what the Lord would have us to allow to endure. But Lord, to your glory, so let it be. And so, again, the child of God is not to have their heart failing them because of fear. We're safe and we are secure as we abide in the presence of God. And remember, we've been looking at Psalm 25, you may recall, and I said that the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. He will show them his covenant. And when God begins to reveal to you his promises, his faithfulness, his commitment to you and I, it gives us such a strong sense of faith and confidence in him in the midst of whatever it is that, that we may have to face or endure. And isn't it interesting that um, uh, we have um, in the scripture, it's Psalm 91. And actually you can go there if you can, Psalm 91, and it talks about that secret place of the Most High God. And so, you know, the secret things the Lord reveals to us, we dwell in the secret place. Church, we have a refuge. In the midst of all that goes on in the world, we, you and I can revert to our closet. We can revert to that secret place where we abide in the presence of God, where we fellowship with God, where we talk with God, where we have uh, uh, such intimacy with Him and we can draw there a place of security, a place of uh, a strength, a place of comfort. And so look at Psalm 91, and I want to close with this. And I'm not going to dwell on it. Maybe something you can, uh, in your own time, over the course of the next few days, you can just uh, meditate upon it. But the word of God is clear. And it says in verse 1 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so, again, we get this picture. Of security under the shadow of his wings I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in him I will trust I will trust him Job said even though he slay me I'll trust him verse 3 surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, only with your eyes you shall look. And see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his charge. Now this is referring to Christ, it's prophetic. But there's promises in here for you and I as we consider these things. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. His love is upon me. Therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him in Honor him with long life, and I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is saying, Because our love is set upon him, because we have known him, because we have drawn near to him, because we have trusted him, the Bible says, I will show him my salvation. And there's nothing more special to him, I will show my covenant. There's nothing more, more special that in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the fear that we can dwell in that secret place and we see the salvation of God. And you know what, church? We are not moved. Our faith is steadfast. We trust in God. To die is gain, so let it be. Don't let fear become your master. Don't let fear dictate. Now, again, I'm not saying don't be practi- not to be practical, not to be take wise steps, that's, I accept that. It's I, I, good. My wife's sick. She's not here today. She got the flu. That was her choice. I'd probably come. <laughs> but what I am saying is let, let us not be governed by fear, church. Because that's not from God. That's not what the Lord will have. And so let us move On that premise this morning. By your patience possess your soul. Let's pray. Father we just thank you Lord. We ask oh God that you would. Just have your hand upon us Lord. And in light of the times in which we live. God let us see things not from the world's perspective. Lord but from your word. God let our eyes be focused upon your word. Let our faith be anchored in your salvation lord that for we trust in you and my god i pray that through all these things lord that we would uh, be you would be glorified that we would bear testimony because our faith and our confidence is in you lord let us lord demonstrate that to the world around us rather than ourselves being governed by fear and dictated to by fear so i pray lord that you take the word this morning and you administer to each of your children in jesus name